I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both players have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a f-ing shit shot next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their houses for f-ing 10 years. Welcome along to the football show. Conan is here as always. You're always here, Conan. It's very Sorry, hard to get away from you. Keen Ward, our senior analyst, is back to John Giles of the GEL. <laughs> senior analyst. <laughs> Listen, you've been promoted. Maybe not financially, Keen, but like you're, you've just been promoted this oh, year. Listen, I'm a martyr. I'm a martyr. I just love it. Work experience. That's what I want. Now, there's a lot to get through today, and we have to be very fast for a number of reasons. We have to stay within the hour because Podrick Butterly. He tweeted me last night and he says, Well, Woolly, long-time listener and big fan of the show. A small request. Any chance you could get the football show done first tomorrow? I'm currently travelling in South America and have a 22-hour bus journey ahead of me tomorrow at 3 o'clock Irish time. It would be great if we had the podca- if I had the podcast downloaded for the journey. So I feel your pain. There was no podcast in my day when I was in South America. I just had to grin and bear it and use my imagination like children a long time ago. Yeah. But... Uh, We'll try and get it out. It's 12 You're o'clock now. You're still using your imagination <laughs> only in case it's anyone 12, was wondering. It's 12 o'clock now. We have a hurling show to do after this. And Porrick, we're right on it. We're going to try and get this football show out. So listen, we have a few incidents to start off with, lads. I'm going to just get these over and done with. Donny Smith, finger in the eye, then dived at the slightest contact from Keith Higgins. Shocking behaviour. Two diff- Shocking behaviour with the eye gouge and shocking behaviour in another way with the dive. So we don't want to see any of that. Um, I remember Philly McMahon gouging uh, Kieran Donaghy, but Philly McMahon, now Philly obviously it was an accident because Philly wasn't even looking. He's the innocence on his face that he was looking wa- wide away and Philly was able to say, I wasn't looking, I didn't know where my hand was. And you have to take Philly at his word for that. Uh, Donny Smith had a grimace on his face like I'm getting it my finger <laughs> like I mean Donny Smith can't really say that this was accidental because his face told the story of what he was trying to do and not only after that he dived and he tried to simulate and get Higgins sent off it was just the whole thing Donny Smith isn't that type of player now he is that type of player because he's just done that or how many times do you have to do something like this to become this type, that type of player yeah uh, it was a nasty thing. I I just think incidents like that are just incredibly nasty. It, and there's nothing, there's nothing manly about it. You know, like you can have two guys that just get into a bit of an altercation. You, like say for example, Johnny Cooper and Co- Connor McManus in the in the Dublin Monaghan game where they are yeah. they're grabbing a hold of each other, they're wrestling with each other. But it's 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 man on man. A bit of messing. And that was funny, actually. Yeah, it was. It? Yeah, and just get on with it. But like, this is this is a situation where a player is holding holding the ball in his hand, 
and another guy is behind them raking his eyes. I mean, that's... I don't even... I can't even understand how you would go about doing no. it. It just doesn't... I, I don't get it. Like, I it think it's totally Not in our day now. That didn't happen in our day. <laughs> it's not. It's just definitely not a natural thing to do. Definitely didn't it? happen in our day. <laughs> but it's hard, it's hard for any... Are you going to sort of say it was an accident? Because it's just... It's not a reaction to anything. It's not a natural thing. Like, you know, sometimes... But you, you can't even through. claim you're going for the ball. I mean... The, no. Nobody, yeah, nobody no. holds the ball with their no. nose. Like. Your, your hand has no business there. Now, neither manager said this saw it Anthony Cunningham did say said he didn't see it and James Horn said he didn't see it and I believe both of them because they're on the stand side and this happened with Smith's back uh, it, to it them. does happen very quickly yeah. but Keith, I think Keith Higgins should be commended for the restraint he showed yeah. because in a situation like that I think it would be very very hard for a player to hold their cool now he did get up and he did react in a certain way but um you know, you can kind of almost, I would, you know, it's not within the rules, of course, but you can almost understand the reaction from a player when something like that does happen to them. Because when your defence is like a guy who's lying on the ground and something is done to them, like that can completely incense teammates and the yeah. player themselves because you are defenceless and you're, you're, you're left wide open to get pretty serious injury and gouging a guy's eye is really nasty act. And it probably is surprising to see, um, a sort of a stylish player like Donny Smith do it but I suppose it is disappointing because um, he's it's a good just player. disappointing because yeah. I did like him and Me now too. I don't really like him Me anymore too. <laughs> Me too well I've soured on him definitely yeah. and he is a player I liked and he used to, it wasn't always starting and I was often thinking Geez, he's well worth his place yeah. he's smart he's a, he gives a nice ball in and he can score um, I saw a good few people giving out about the managers not saying they saw it and like I was saying I believed him that they didn't see it yeah. and Anthony Cunningham in fairness said to him we wouldn't promote or endorse that type of behaviour obviously if that's what happened this has been in the context of that but I saw Ewan McKenna on Twitter um, complaining about it and saying that the reporter the interviewer should have a, a like a, um, a laptop show and clip, show him yeah. the clip but then again do I, I think people read too much into that what difference is that going to make yeah. Smith didn't get didn't get uh, a yellow card for it he's going to be done what difference does it make? Anthony Cunningham can't come out and slate him. It's just not fair on him. Like, I mean, James Horan has to... Like, why, why is it so... Why are people so obsessed about whether a manager says he saw it or not? Like, who give, Who cares? Well, I, I don't care, so can we stop talking about yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> but the cameras saw it. That's the main thing. But you mentioned a second ago about players lying on the ground and how that's dirty because Jack McCarran, he's a very, very lucky boy that he got a yellow card for this. And how the referee if he saw this can only give a yellow card for it it's a straight red he saw what he was doing his head is down Small is completely defenceless on the ground and he drove through him with his knee that mm. was another disgusting thing to do and like he's very very lucky nothing can happen to him now because he's on a yellow and also he took a fall after Brian Fenton came over and confronted him with a yeah. push in the arm and he fell over that's a fall of guilt isn't it like McCarran was doing a bit of simulation yesterday he got Small a black card for absolutely nothing for diving forward when all Small was doing was trying to grapple to get that in at the ball yeah. that was no black card but McCarran was making sure he was getting the black by actually diving forward when Small was pulling him back by the shoulder. Mm. Like, it wasn't a natural kind of fall for what John Small was doing. Yeah, the knee was like, it was very hard to look at, but is there this sort of bad culture now in the game where... I think <laughs> I think it, diving is creeping in. But not even diving, but just this idea that you have to leave a bit in. Like, you know, how many times have we all sat in tre- dressing rooms where it's like, right, you need to be up for this one today, you're going to, you're going to take a belt, you're going to hear all sorts. Like, you, that, that's sort of part of your preparation for a game and... This whole thing is bigger than Jack McCarron and Donny Smith, I think. Like you know, there is a there is an idea out there. Let, let them feel it. Like you know, leave a bit in on them, and yeah. sometimes that overspills where it's a need to somebody's head. Yeah, it's crazy. It's going on. It's going on a long time, and we'll, we'll move on from that because there's another thing I want to talk about about this sin bin. And the sin bin is a breath of fresh air. It's fantastic. It's brilliant. So Colin Boyle got it one, and it was the most blatant one ever. The two Dublin black cards were not black cards. They're bad tackles. They're so what? What's the line between a tackle? That a foul from a tackle in a dangerous position and a cynical black card pull down. There has to be, a, you have to distinguish between the, these two. Both Dublin players fouled their man. That's not a black card. Just because McCarran's in on goal, you can still foul him, you know. And actually, Small was kind of trying to get in at him, hit a yard on him. I, I actually didn't even think that uh, Small intentionally fouled him. I thought it was just trying to get the a, hand a in at him. Desperate tackle. Yeah. Um, and McCarran, if you if you watch the replay and it's easy to see on a replay, I mean he just he just straightened his legs and f- and fell forward. Yeah, I mean it was completely unnatural movement from yeah. from McCarran. Um, you can call it clever play, and players will try and take any advantage. But I actually I was totally confused after the Dublin black cards. I I thought that the rules had changed; that the black card was now something totally different because it had gone to Simbin. And <coughs> yeah. I realised it's not, and I was thinking, well, neither of those were black cards, so. Uh, 
strange one. It's a good punishment. It's a really good punishment. It's a brilliant punishment. Um, and it would be a great, an even better punishment if the if the team that was down a man couldn't just hand pass the ball around yeah. for ten minutes. Well, here's the thing now, and that's a point I want to make, and I don't want to forget the other things. So keep me wa- reminded about. No, I'll say about staying warm. It's first here in my notes. So John Small gets sent off. Right, this will tell you how inexperienced, even for a setup like Dublin, I couldn't believe it. So he goes up and sits in the stand in the freezing cold weather. Brian Cullen's two lads across from him, and Small is handed a bib, an aluminous bib. So he's sitting there in the cold for ten minutes. Like I mean. Yeah. Surely the thing to do there is to stay up and down, limbering up like you're still in the game. I think with four minutes to go, he was told he was given a bib to go back down and warm up before he came back on. Was so, that it? So I think he did have a break, which maybe he shouldn't. He should just be jogging. I for don't 10 think you should get like, any yeah. break. You should, even if it's not jogging for ten minutes, it's staying loose. I'd for be 10 happy minutes. enough to have the break now, <laughs> <laughs> depending on what stage you're sent off for. But like, I mean, that's that's one thing I think teams will have to get better at when this sin bin. And I'm so livid to keep saying that these rules should be in for the championship. They're all working so far perfectly, and that's grand. But here's the thing. About everyone complaining about going back to the goalkeeper and this incensed me watching it last night because this is uh, Joe Brawley with this uh, don't go back to the goalkeeper rule that Stephen O'Mara tagged him in a thing on Twitter and tagged me on it so Stephen O'Mara's idea I hadn't really thought about it so Brawley's claiming then in the Irish Independent that it's his idea so he's trying to go on about this last night you have to remember if Dublin are down to 14 men and they want to pass back to the goalkeeper Monaghan have an extra man where is he? Why is he not pushed up on that goalkeeper? Why is the tactics, if you have an extra man and the others are down to 14, are you not saying, right, everyone man up under man, we will make the most of our extra man, like they do in rugby. What did you get in your 10-minute sin bin? Did they they make the most of it? How are you going to make the most of it if you won't even push up on that goalkeeper? So Dublin went back to Comerford. Comerford took a few uh, solos with it. And Monaghan's extra man must have been back in the defence. That's Monaghan's fault, not the rules fault, right? So there's ways around this. And the way I'm looking at it, if you push your man right up on that goalkeeper, your extra man, right? Put the goalkeeper under loads of pressure. If that goalkeeper's kick doesn't find a man, there's a turnover. Goalkeeper has to run back into his goals. You have a man straight on his own, unmarked in front of the goals. So this is a tactical issue here that's going uh, to... It will be ironed out over yeah, the no. league. But like a minute, there's a sin bin. Immediately, Malik O'Rourke has to say, lads, sin bin, push up. W- will you push everybody up on Dublin? Absolutely. But you have an extra man. But once, like Dublin's very easy. Like Niall Scully could just turn someone <coughs> and then suddenly they've got an extra man. Do you know yeah. what? That's, that's the worry of pushing up on Dublin. Yeah, but I think you have to when you've the extra man. Mm. Like, he Look, dares it, wins, yeah, right? Yeah, like it does go back to the question of what... What your what your team style is, and it will it will change given the circumstances of the game. So Dublin, you know, Dublin play a possession based game. They have done for the last number of seasons. Um, so they're completely comfortable leaving the man down, and they'll use their goalkeeper. Uh, and to be fair, most teams at county level play a very much a possession based game now. Um, some people and a lot of spectators find that boring to watch. You know, and that. You know, it goes back to the whole rule thing, and they're trying to bring in different rules to create more contests and more turnovers of possession. But each team is each. If you're on a team and you're a man down, you're going to hold possession. You're going to work the opportunity. There's a risk for Monaghan or any team that has a, an extra player to push on, and the risk is that that's actually what the possession, the team holding possession, want. They always want that. Dublin hold possession around the middle third they'll go backwards to try and draw you out onto them and then it'll be create a one-on-one situation for one of their players in that in the middle sector of the field and then they're all running off the shoulder and then they have the overlap so sometimes when you have the extra man you know you maybe just have to be patient I can understand it my, my instinct naturally would be you know get pressure on the ball everybody press onto a man if everybody's pressed onto a man the ball carrier shouldn't have an easy option he should always have to move it to a contest yeah okay and if you have a um, an extra player that should be you should be making it much harder yeah but players are so comfortable on the ball now I, I personally if I was standing in my own half back line and there was only one guy coming to me he'd never take the ball off me you'd always be able to move the right direction you know, play it back to your goalkeeper. So it's very difficult to turn over possession in one on one. But I can understand yeah. that it is a risk reward yeah, thing. Yeah. It is, a ri- and it's only for ten minutes. And you will never, if you play a defensive style of football, you'll never make the most of that extra man because you're kind of giving the other team one. Correct. Did, did yeah. It, like, yeah. This, it's all a mindset. And I actually think this sin bin, based on yesterday and the advance mark, is enough to change the game. But it's a mindset. All the copycats have to see this in in action, and that's the way it is. So, like, I'd be positive enough. Interestingly enough 
enough Jim Gavin came out about the new rules yesterday and he says I've no issue with them at all I probably would have suggested um, I probably would have suggested to just get on with it and put them in for the league if the governing body decides to change the rules of the game I don't think managers should have a soapbox to change them either way it's exactly what I said here last week like I'm delighted Jim Gavin came out about it now it's interesting Jim Gavin Jim is Gavin saying Jim Gavin is the PR master though, but Jim, no but the interesting Jim Gavin is saying this now that the hand pass has been thrown out and these are only being trialled what he, Jim Gavin was very silent on this am I being cynical here no, what, you? no but he's following through on what he's saying which is look I'm a manager I just try and prepare my team oh, I don't care right. what the rules are and he, he is right and, and you have to say that a lot of these rules would probably punish Dublin's new style of how they actually counteract these uh, defensive systems and Jim Gavin is saying this and he deserves a huge amount of credit for this like I mean he's the biggest best manager at the moment in the game and he's just saying something really logical and saying there's, there's a bigger picture here and I'm not being I'm not the bigger picture and Dublin isn't and nobody else is but there's too many managers over the last well, while thinking that they are McGavin did have a complaint as well he said he, does, he doesn't like the idea that it's sort of murder and hurling he said it's two different games he, he did elaborate then on that interview and he seemed to be sort of having a, a bit of a complaint like well, all whether, the he likes, whether he likes them or not he's saying that he's happy yeah. for them to come in which is not what a lot of the others are saying you know they're actually spitting the dummy out completely like you can disagree with them but you can also say I have to live with them do you know what I mean yeah. it's a different well, I think attitude everybody eventually gets to that point when, when a rule comes in coaches um, will automatically over time get used to them and just get on with it that, that's just what happens because the job of the manager and the coach is to prepare the team as best they can within the rules of the game so if the rules of the game change then automatically that may have an impact on how a team is coached or it might not depending on the rule I, I think it was very difficult for any of these guys particularly at inter-county level where there's a huge pressure on and they actually didn't even know what was happening what was coming in what wasn't coming in it, it needed to be a little bit clearer like I, I thought it was clear you know that these rules were coming in for the league and that was it and then it, you know you have this U-turn on the hand pass rule which to me takes a, like there was a huge amount of work went into formulating these rules yeah. for people whether we agree with them or not or we have our views on them but you don't you can't form an opinion on a rule really until you've seen it in practice over a number of games like we could sit here debating the different rules that came in or throw out some oh we've ideas. done it Keen. I know we've, we've done, done it. it but like we're doing it forever and then we finally get a chance to evaluate a couple of rules whether we like them or not to just see does it make a difference Yeah. and I, I would I thought that it would have been a very very valuable exercise and it's very very disappointing because now we have years to wait and I was at I watched three inter-county games this weekend played in the club match myself Incessant hand passing ruins the game to play and it ruins the game to watch. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. When you're, like, fair enough, when you're playing on a team, you do what needs to be done to try and win the game. But as a spectacle, incessant hand passing is not... It's horrific. Yeah, it's, it's horrific. not enjoyable. Another quick one here, because you, I'm sure you were in this situation. Jack McCarran got a goal yesterday, a free that was brought up, and he scored from the right spot. No reason for that to be disallowed, was there? Or does the referee, ha like a penalty in soccer, does he have to give you a little toot to say you're ready to go? Well, or? it's happened to me in a club game where I've uh, taken a quick free like that and scored a goal, and the referee is telling me you can't, you can't take a 14-metre free quickly. Now I, I don't know whether that's in the rule book or not but that's what the referee told to me and right. it probably was David Coldrick given he's a referee for Mead and he prevented the goal going in the other day So He got I, injured for his trouble then too Yeah, I don't know if it is a rule but I, I didn't see a lot wrong with it and I think it, yeah. I, I think it was a good bit of quick thinking from Jack yeah. McCarran he was sharper than the defenders and the goalkeeper and I think that that sort of um, ingenuity should be rewarded I think so. So that Fermanagh or that Monaghan Dublin game was a brilliant game to watch, and we'll talk about that in, in part two. There was some other games around the country that weren't as good to watch. Uh, Mead, Tipperary is a bit of a bore fest. Fermanagh Cork, um, hilariously, Tyrone and Kerry. Tyrone will just never change. We'll talk about that in part two as well. But Fermanagh, I thought this was funny from Declan Bogue's match report um, in the 42. So he says, those paying the full whack of £19 into this game may not have been able to believe their eyes as the home side went the entire first half without scoring from play then Fermanagh in the second half got a couple of scores from half-backs or from the middle third lads he says that, deep, that such deep-lying players were able to do so was down to the depth of attack in, Lane's, in layman's term the home side had nobody up front in the first half <laughs> as in nobody the odd thing was neither did Cork as both pulled 50 men back behind the ball making a deeply, uns making a deeply unsatisfactory contest to football 
Christ almighty now there was a wind and I have a little bit of sympathy of teams doing all that against the wind Ross Common did it with the wind one point I would make about that this is from reading match reports and seeing the Ross Common Mayo game Cork and Ross Common would have been two of the more attacking minded teams and they both got destroyed by Tyrone last year they got destroyed by Tyrone last year because they didn't match them they didn't follow the runners but now they've almost said if you can't beat them that the reason we lost to them is because we don't camp our men in outside our 45 so now Roscommon and Cork are just two more teams to add into the <laughs> into the one forward and it's just like oh Jesus Christ here we go now Tomas Corrigan's a very happy man out travelling around the he's world he's in South America yeah he'll never come back he'll yeah. never come back but uh, yeah that's the way it is two standout results lads um, before we move on into part two Leitrim Rising we call this <laughs> We called it in Terry Highland. We trust Leitrim three fifteen, Wexford eleven points. Wexford dominated the first half, um, and Leitrim were lucky just to be seven six down at half time. But then they got two goals out of nothing, two point attempts that fell short. And we know how dangerous point attempts that fall short are. Everybody switches off, or a ball off the off the post or the crossbar, bang, you have a goal. Two easy goals, and then they outscored uh, Wexford. Uh, 3-9 to 4 points in the second half so 3-15 to Wexford it's an, an astonishing home result for Leitrim who are building on last year's home qualifier win against Loud have a new manager we talked about that last Thursday and listen especially in these weaker counties you can't underestimate what a manager coming in with a fresh approach a professional system and look if Leitrim are playing the Carlo uh, defensive system to get out of Division 4 I don't have a problem with that and I'm sure they are under Terry Highland but uh, like I mean more power to them that's a great result for them Yeah 3.15 is a, is a fair tally as well to to be scoring in your first league game on the at the end of January um, so look having not seen the game you're, you're looking at a scoreline saying 3.15 is very good scoring and they must have done a lot of good things right up front Yeah definitely a game of two halves the other one was Westmead um, 11-3 down up uh, with nine minutes into the second half Westmead I tell you one thing they're, when they get their tails up I've always said this about Westmead they have something about them and Me- Mead will remember it uh, in 2015 in Crow Park that yeah. game was over at half time but they have something Westmead when they get going on a roll and the crowd get behind them because they're well supported so they were 11-3 down and they were looking like it was going to be a disaster they scored 10 of the final 11 points 9 in a row now obviously there was a big wind in a lot of these games and it, what it does annoy me in match reports and I during the Monaghan Dublin game yesterday I turned down the volume on the TV and I turned on Radio 1 and they went around to all the grounds and it was brilliant and it's astonishing how many reporters don't say they could yeah. say it's 9-2 up now at the moment and they're playing really well with the advantage of a gale force wind but that doesn't seem to be included yeah, they're playing with the advantage of a hurricane so they're, so they're doing alright so like don't go to the bookies and rush in on anything because this will easily turn around yeah. in the second half and it's just they never put it in they never just say this is in the context of a massive wind that's yeah. really affecting the outcome of this halftime scoreline this isn't what you think it is like, <laughs> I, I saw the Derry report at halftime against Antrim and they were either seven up or something I thought ah oh, brilliant so it went the way they found out to get in the last minute score they win it yeah. the end by one point it's unbelievable so 11-3 down like there obviously was a strong wind in Tullamore here so you're looking at 11-3 you still think they're gone at 11-3 even though if there is a if there is a strong wind but like I mean that's just another gripe quickly now have anything to say on that there it's just an interesting victory for Westmead with Jack Cooney and uh, he has Pascal Keelan yeah. involved in his backroom team who would obviously know awfully football inside out having been involved with road the last couple of years so Oh is Jack Cooney or yeah. Pas- Pascal would know yeah. that yeah, yeah. yeah and Jack Cooney was with him uh, in road so. Was Jack Cooney in road too? Yeah. Oh, so right. so very interesting sort of uh, I'd say Pascal was uh, sneaking in there and keeping the head low but um, look Westmead have started the season really well under new management Without Heslin Yeah and with, yeah, without Heslin who's, who's obviously a, a major loss to them but they'll be looking to get promotion um, this year, and that was a that was a tough opener for them, like a kind of a local derby there, away from home, your first day out. So look, they'll be pleased, and the manner of the victory as well. Yeah, what, what is it there? Ten of the last eleven points they got. Yeah, ten of the last like eleven that's, points. That's it. It shows a fair bit of character. When Westmead start coming back, you're gone. That's basically it. So quickly before we start part two, the media watch League Sunday was very good. I thought last night. Um, the packages needed a bit of work. The actual narrated packages. I thought Joanne was excellent 
um, she pulled uh, Joe Brawley up who really has come so late to this rule change thing like we talked about rule changes last August before the committee was actually going to sit down and you might think you might be able to influence them or whatever he is waiting for the rules to actually come in they're going to be trialled then he starts writing about ones he wants to make <laughs> up and ones that he's robbed off other people so like it wasn't a time last night for him to start talking about rules last night was a time to talk about the rules that are in and how we can work with them and how they might improve the game and it was actually during a chat about Kerry that he started talking about this like, and like Leicester would have let him on but Joanne and it made a bit awkward viewing but Joanne was absolutely right like I mean either put a bit of structure on this and talk about what's going on mm. it's not an opportunity to talk about rules that are completely irrelevant because they're not in do you know what I mean yeah. what's the point of starting to talk about stuff like that yeah well look I didn't see it but really a highlight show is not it's not the forum for no broad range of discussions it's no. analyse what was uh, what was seen as much as they can because look there's that many games and how could you see them all yeah no definitely and like I mean they showed uh, Cork Kilkenny in the hurling which wasn't on television which in previous years they were just dialing it in and they were showing the games on TG Cahar and Air Sport and just sending nothing themselves but there's a definite it was fresh last night I thought the highlights were good the packages weren't great but that's the actual individual uh, person doing them maybe mm. or whatever but at the same time um, I thought it was really good and it was an improvement they did a lot of the top level games maybe next week they could choose a game from Division 2 and focus on that or get a separate show or something or somebody else yeah. coming hopefully Donegal Mead so I don't have to Donegal travel to Bally Buffet that, that's on in Bally Buffet but that's the one I picked out so like they could focus on sending a crew to that and then if Division 2 covered for a week or two it's just to keep everybody quiet because <laughs> like, like, yeah. you can't please everyone in, in the time they have like it's impossible but like then third week maybe pick Leash versus Carlo for example in Division 3 you know what I mean because be inter- that would be interesting in its own way and then just keep everyone in every division a little bit happy play, yeah, play the politics of it because even like it was an hour and 45 minutes last night and that was the gripe then like Joanne was great the highlights were much better but it was after an hour and 45 minutes we couldn't tell that there was other divisions in either hurling or football you know so that was, that was the one it. thing and they have to get Leitrim rising in because we were right behind Leitrim <laughs> yeah. and look at, to be fair that probably all people want to see is a few scores from, from their county's games they don't care about analysis they just want to see who scored and a couple of minutes of clips from yeah. it that's really all people want on yeah. a Sunday evening yeah ok well we'll come back next with a little bit of analysis happiness anymore me and him were like best friends when, when we played you know he's seen the light of Jesus and uh, I'm still like fighting the devil you know <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Monaghan, thank God Monaghan won or we would have had to suspend the podcast, which we said last <laughs> week that if Monaghan and all our semi-finalists can't beat an understrength Dublin at home in the first round of the league when Dublin are just back from holidays, well then we're just, we're, we're suspending the podcast and we didn't because Monaghan won the game. And you called it, Willie? I thought Dublin played some of the better football. I thought Monaghan dug it out. When the lads came on late in the game, they used the offensive mark really well and Monaghan played very well I thought in the second half I thought they were just hanging in there in the first half and like I thought Mannion was excellent in the first half some of his distribution was really good even the first score the second half for Dean Rock it was a beautiful ball by Mannion I'm starting to think Mannion now has maybe a place at centre half forward or something like that because he has he's more vision than I gave him credit for but it was a brilliant game loads of kick passing really enjoyable lovely conditions lovely pitch great crowd and it was a proper good league game yeah, it was. A, it was. A, it was really an excellent game, and the, the quality on display, um, particularly from Dublin in the in the first half, early in the first half, was was. It was a joy to watch yeah. at times with with the use of the foot pass. So were they bringing that back? Because like maybe Monaghan allowed it. Dublin will play the kick pass if it's on. It's just against teams that they know it's not on. They yeah, play this it, terrible old hand passing it w- game. It was a reasonably open game because. Um, you know there was a lot of good kind of man to man contests yeah. across the field and Tom Niall Scully had a very good game for Dublin he dictated a lot of the good things they did Howard obviously dropping into the pocket and just retaining possession Fenton you know Fenton looks to kick the ball Scully looks to kick the ball when it's on they and, do. and to me 
I mean, that that's kind of what set them apart in the first half was that they had really good movement from the inside line in Costello, Mannion and Rock and the guys were getting their head up early, creating a bit of space and popping it in. And there was some brilliant moves where they had maybe maybe two or three kick passes and move where they changed the angle of the attack. It went from one wing to the other and then back again yeah. and created brilliant scoring opportunities and very enjoyable to watch. Um, wasn't going, They weren't going to be able to sustain that for, for the duration of the game with wind conditions and also the fact that, look, they're, they're fairly undercooked in terms of their training as well. But they did look quite sharp when they when they had it, when they had the running in the legs early on in the first half. But Monaghan deserve huge credit because they just do what Monaghan always do and that's, you know, gradually work their way and grind their way into the game and come up with good scores the opposite end of the field, capitalise on mistakes and they bring great intensity all the time to their play in terms of making it really, really difficult for their opponents all the time. It's always yeah. a real contest when Monaghan play. They were doubling down rather they, than they the other way around. Yeah, they really did. Yeah. And, and as you say, they got some good scores in the first half um, when they needed them just to keep themselves in contention and in the second half I, I thought they did really well to capitalise up front on the opportunities that they did create I thought Jack McCarron had a really good game particularly in the second half in terms of his uh, he was coming out on the loop and he was playing some lovely ball into their yeah. forwards and I, I was surprised that he actually didn't get man of the match I thought he had a sort of a, a bigger influence on the outcome of the game than um, than Fenton Kelly but Fenton Kelly looked like he man-marked Fenton maybe that's what yeah, he, he did. Yeah, look he tried to but Fenton still was able to drop the shoulder and have a fair yeah. influence in the yeah. game so um, yeah, I thought Kelly struggled for at least a half on Fenton like really struggled like yeah. Fenton was still just dominating like, you know. yeah he was. he was he was going man to man with him and he was making he was putting him under pressure and making life difficult but Fenton you know, really, when he when he, you know, when he drops the shoulder and steps away from a guy, I mean, Kelly was pawing at him and putting him under pressure. But Fenton was still, he still looked like he was at his ease. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a bit of a strange with me. But in fairness to Kelly, he did kick a point himself in the first yeah. half, um, and he did he did influence the game in terms of just, I suppose trying to limit Fenton's involvement in the game I think Fenton might have got two points from play and he was on a bit of ball but yeah, he got you one know, here according he, to this match only one so look Fenton Fenton would usually on last year's league form he was kicking you know at least two from play maybe three sometimes four in games so he was he was maybe had maybe he he curbed his influence slightly he set, yeah. up, he set up the goal as well like you know when it was he's just going and getting kickouts and just always just almost like Roy Keane just always coming up like a brick wall up the pitch like, Fenton you know, yeah wherever. he's so positive when he gets the ball he's such a brilliant player yeah. like, I mean he's such a he, and the kick pass he's always using he it always looks to, he and always looks forward and looks looks to deliver looks to hurt the opposition yeah. like there's a lot of players get the ball and they just get it to give it back to the guy they just took it from yeah. and look that's fair enough they have their you know players have their limitations and know and know what they can do and what they can't do but you know it's it's really the likes of like even Howard there Howard is he's swanning around giving little sidesteps in no man, back in his own half back line not really doing anything retaining possession and there's there's a function for that but it was Scully and it was yeah. Fenton that were making things happen for Dublin yeah. Scully was taking it taking men on and delivering good ball I think inside. it was Scully gave one ball down under the stand to Mannion it was one of Dublin's first scores and Mannion got it out on the sideline around the 45 and immediately turned around and whipped in a diagonal ball around the top of the D which Dean Rock came out for and then he laid it off to Costello and Costello's shot wasn't on gave it back to Rock over the bar yeah. Yeah. Brilliant score. you can't underestimate the, the way these balls from the wing in around the D when you collect that ball Instead of collecting it in the corner with a man behind you, you're collecting that ball with a man behind you. You're on the D. You've left, right yeah. for pop passes. You've turned dummy solo. There is no option as a forward you don't have if you get the ball diagonally around the D. It's the perfect ball. Now, obviously, that's why a lot of teams play a sweeper there. But if the diagonal ball is that is good, it could go over the sweeper's head or like sweeper can't cover two good runs. But just it's so I see it very underused by teams and especially with this offensive mark now we saw Monaghan towards the end when McManus came on and he was able to mark some of these diagonal balls like I mean it's a huge huge weapon to just get out in front Dublin actually play you from the front so you can actually take a run from behind your man across the field which Dublin it's very difficult and these diagonal balls finding you on your chest mark bang well, the most dangerous movement, really, from an inside forward is is uh, is the lateral movement running the away field. from the ball. Yeah, like if you're if you're on starting a left corner forward, moving towards the centre when that space is cleared out by a full forward, or moving to the far side of the field, because no matter what, if you're in front of if you're in front of your defender moving across the field, there's an ocean of space usually that the kicker can hit that gives you the advantage to win the ball. 
for forwards if they're coming out in a straight line run out the field it's very easy for a defender because shoving the back nudging the back the ball yeah. breaks loose and then a half back picks it up you know there's no it's it's much more difficult to play and even when you get it out there you're mild you're you're no threat you're absolutely no threat so that's sort of lateral movement but you need kick passing and you need guys out the field who are willing to take the risk the problem that I would see a lot with, with the game is that there's no nobody takes the risk with the kick pass either because they don't have confidence in their own ability or just that the ethos is such that with all these teams it's possession, possession this work, could the go phase, astray. work the phase this could go work astray. the phase yeah. and I know it's it's difficult at this time of the year with wind conditions and different things but you know people have to have confidence at inter-county level you should be able to kick a 40 metre ball cross field you just have to hit his own it doesn't even have to yeah. hit a guy in his hands and I just can't I can't understand it because all you're doing is keeping possession in the middle of the field allowing the opposition to get back wasting your own time and making it much more difficult to get a score the the best opportunities that teams have to score is when they're transferring the ball quickly and the quickest way the ball can be transferred is by the foot with, with the way the kickouts have gone like even Dublin in the first half I mean they, they got a score just straight from a kickout tap over the top very much like Donegal were doing and Monaghan have done in the past and they're breaking forward on the opposition because they've sucked them onto them now Darren Hughes probably in the second half covered the spaces a little bit better for Monaghan and that's why they probably dropped back that little bit deeper because they didn't want to leave those spaces that they left in the first half but there still were occasions where Paddy Andrews won ball out in front and um, and those those kicking opportunities for Dublin were on when they looked for them yeah. but Dublin are, the, the reason Dublin are the top team is because they look for that yeah they do and they're a very they're positive, positive team. Yeah. they're a real positive they're, and they're a kicking team and these new rules would have suited Dublin I see some people saying that they wouldn't have suited Dublin they absolutely would like good players and good kickers which Dublin have all over the field would have that but the thing about this offensive mark lads is that the whole idea of this is to give like and I'm going to say it again it was my idea for the offensive mark and I think anybody that d- talks about the offensive mark in future has to put it in the context that this is Colin Parkinson's rule <laughs> asterisk beside but every asterisk, report as taught up of <laughs> the brainchild of uh, <laughs> but anyways but the whole idea behind this was when I was getting pissed off of defensive football it was how can we get the power back this was before the market midfield how can a forward get rewarded and not get swarmed that all the all the aces are in for defenders so now uh, uh, Conor McManus has a break and a catch and the two lads that will be chasing him are mm. redundant now because you've gone your hard work and now you can swing it over and he'll swing it over now I was against coming out to the 45 but now I'm happy with it because I think my one at the 21 by the time the ball flights out say you start to run at the very end line and by the time the ball gets into you you're very close to that 21 now I do accept that now and that's fair enough but I think if, if a mark is taken around the 45 I disagree with that but there's very few players will take the mark there because it's yeah. too difficult to shot right so the only lads that would maybe take one there is Dean Rock or Conor McManus but they have no business out there so they'll very rarely be out there so if a ball is caught just inside the 45 they'll probably continue on it's only if they're caught in around a D which is outside my 21 they can still mark that so I in, in actual fact I think the 45 extension absolutely works yeah like B- Bannigan and, and Garland they, they're full forward for Monaghan and they both won two marks but they're about 38 metres out and they should have just played on but both of them took their free and both of them hit them wide and they'll learn from that yeah. like, teams will see that that like your normal wing forward won't kick a 45 yeah. from any bit of an angle because originally won't. I'd be looking at that going oh, that's a stupid rule but now I'm just like why are they stopping just play on just keep playing football yeah. like, and then the difference is that somebody like Ohan can come on and just forget about the mark I can keep playing here you don't have to stop every time you hear that whistle and that's yeah. the important thing yeah. well, the, the beauty for me of the mark is that it, re- it rewards the two hardest skills in the game which is a, a, a long kick pass and, and being catch. able to being able to take a ball first time under pressure you know yeah. they're, like the hardest they're the two hardest things to do anybody can hand pass the ball yeah you could get the, you know the, the worst players in Ireland and you would be able to create a functional team yeah. because you would just make sure that they never kick the ball I have said on, on record that I could get the Leinster rugby team the backs the lads with a bit of mobility and coach them to keep a really good team down to under 10 points that's the, like lads that never played football once you've strength you can hold someone up 
and you've got strength in numbers you don't have to be a good Gaelic footballer no, like absolutely. it's gone but anyways listen we'll move on from that I don't know what to say lads about Mayo Roscommon I've nothing really to say about it because outside of Roscommon's tactics just being baffling with the wind that they put that many men behind the ball that could only score five points with a gale force wind and this was purely now Mayo only got one and it was from a free so they, they absolutely contained Mayo but if you're only scoring five with a gale force wind you will not win any game it's impossible you won't do it so Mayo were a lot uh, Mayo were a lot more adventurous in the second half and got the win that they really did deserve Roscommon didn't deserve anything from it the way they set up I'd have no problem Roscommon setting up that against the wind because you really have to batten down the hatches and you won't score the other end and keep the, the score low but to do it with the wind the mindset is just baffling but one thing they didn't pick up on on the on the analysis on the TV was Henley. Marco Shea made excuses for Henley. Henley against the gale force wind takes the ball and goes solo and across his own goal. <laughs> like, I mean, there's a mistake in that fella. Like I mean, that was technically what in so- I've played I've played soccer, and you're told not to go across your goals, and you're actually told if you back pass to the goalkeeper back pass it to the side of the goal just in case the goalkeeper miskicks it <laughs> yeah. and you roll it into your own like these just basic principles of any sport do not run across your own goals and he did it and he nearly got caught rotten for it Craig should have scored there he did it, it would have been a completely bizarre um, goal for for Mayo to concede and it um I suppose look at it. Henley um, has probably he has a little bit of history with, with these sort of Errors, so it was unfortunate from a neutral spectator to see him make another one. But it was, it was almost comical with the wind uh, in the game, and he was he was a victim of it. There was plenty of players who tried to solo the ball that ended up going behind them. Um, but it was uh, it was a poor decision from him to go across the field. And in actual fact, I thought in the first half, even on his kickouts, um, I thought some of his decision making and what he was doing was was a bit suspect in terms of putting his team under pressure I think he kicked maybe three or four out over the sideline in the first half where he was just trying to be a little bit too precise and sometimes you have to take the conditions into account and put the ball out to a contest because Mayo were doing reasonably well in those situations and they were just putting themselves under a little bit of pressure um, sort of needlessly I would have thought um, but it is early doors and I'm sure uh, I'm sure James Horan will uh, Knocked that out of him. Yeah, there's nothing. What do you think of Brian Reap? He scored an unbelievable goal. It was over carrying, but like, I mean, he got no real ball, but he's definitely worth another look. That's kind of what I, I, I have. think he should be allowed to over carry as long as a man's holding you. Like, you know, Smith is just holding his arm with his two hands the whole time. So I think he should be allowed to keep going as long as you're being fouled. That's called rugby, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I mean, that's—I've never heard you so shut up in all my life. <laughs> no, but like, just like it's, 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 the foul isn't in the game. You know, you're not yeah. allowed to foul. Like. Rugby or Ulster football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, fair right. point, well made, Connor. <laughs> but that's it. Brian Reap, we'll give him another go. I, I can kind of take your point, uh, Connor. I kind of understand it. I'm not going to say any more about this because there's nothing you can read into just a, <laughs> terrible, look, a terrible game like that. It's very look, difficult. Like May- Mayo retained possession and wore down the clock really in the first half I could understand how Roscommon ended up getting dragged back the field because Mayo were playing such a you know retaining possession but I would agree with you I thought that they should have been a little bit more I suppose um, aggressive in where they where they drew the line in terms of their press they, they did tend to fall back a little bit too much and Mayo at their ease kind of always had a spare man at the back I mean the, the scoring zone was so small for Mayo that even if you even if you pressed up right inside exactly. the Mayo half, there was there would have been plenty of time for bodies to get back and filter across plenty and cover, cover the scoring The wind zone, was so, so strong. Yeah. You don't need a sweeper back there. No, like you don't. I mean, Mayo yeah. can't kick the ball that far. It's impossible. They have to go through the hands. So, anyways, that that was just frustrating watching it um, with the wind. Just quickly on Kerry Tyrone, lads. Tyrone just will never change, lads. Like if Tyrone didn't rip up their script when Dublin hammered him in 2017 they're definitely not going to rip it up this year after going a step further and arguably performing alright in the All-Ireland Final and better than some people thought that they would so we're going to see the same Tyrone Tyrone got caught three times for sidelines going backwards <laughs> like isn't that just a, like isn't that just a real kind of just it's unsurprising when it comes to Tyrone but it's just so kind of obvious that this team just don't want to be that positive in a lot of ways like I mean they're married to the way they play so I'm picturing Kerry being pushed up on them and instead of going 50-50 which they refused to do they tried to go across field to Niall Morgan who had come out 
just trying to be clever all the time and obviously yeah. the, it didn't go straight across like they wanted and it went back and that was the one they showed on TV last night but they they had two other ones in the game as well like I mean just very disappointing so Tyrone didn't score um, he just scored two points from play in the entire game this was a strong Tyrone team this wasn't a, any sort of a dummy team coming off taking the McKenna Cup pretty seriously so they imagined to be fairly fit have their first choice half forward line Maddie Donnelly Peter Hart Niall Sludden uh, McShane in, in corner forward so like they've Darren McCurry who's on their starting team a lot of the time like this is a Tierney McCann uh, McNamee at full back Hugh Pat McGeary you have like you have all these lads Niall Morgan in goals and they're going down to Kerry and they're scoring two points from playing the entire game now apparently I was asking somebody who was at the game had Kerry gone back uh, really defensively because I was thinking with Tyrone scoring that little maybe this is a new Kerry because Kerry conceded um, 10 goals in 7 games in last year's league right so they didn't concede a goal and didn't even look like they would only 2 points from play so Peter Kane said after the game one of the difficult things to do whether it's secret or not is that defensively I want us hard to beat so you have to start somewhere and that's where you put your structure in and build from there so the word I have is that they didn't play a full time sweeper but when the throw and half forward line went off back uh went off back looking for ball that two of the Kerry half back line held their positions which is fair enough so we know Tyrone struggle against that like I mean that's obvious you know it's when you when you follow them down and then Tyrone break you over and then break you down and then they have you if Tyrone turn you over anywhere around the 45 and you've tried to kind of have a bit of an attacking formation Tyrone are just going to destroy you and they'll do to you what they did to Roscommon and Cork but if you play conservatively against Tyrone and Donegal and these defensive teams, they generally don't have much of an idea how to unpick these themselves because they base their game so much around a, t- a counter-attack. Yeah, they do. They base their game so much around ball-carrying and a counter-attack that, um, that they don't stretch the opposition. You know, they, they, they keep wit in their play, but it's always with runners. But if you have your half-back line intact and you have a, you, your half-forward line, your midfielders are doing the appropriate tracking of opponents and... Uh, getting into the right zones defensively I mean that that's really the way teams are gone I mean you have enough players back there to not really have much trouble because the ball is always in front of you um, where defenders are always the danger for any defence is when the ball gets in behind your half back line and your defenders are facing their own goal defenders are always extremely comfortable when they have their the opposition player in front of them when they're, they're, they're always struggling when they're chasing back towards their own goal and if you remove your half forward line from, from your attacking zone you really never have a, have a threat to the opposition because there's no link. The ball always has to be yeah. carried and that's the way thrown are. And that's why they're not going to basically really be a threat again this year unless they have an ability to, to change that style because yeah. they'll just come up short. They'll be very competitive, but they will just come up short again. And the, I would look at the, the names on their team sheet and the names on their panel and think that they do have enough stylish players. Again, it goes back to, is it just that they don't trust their defenders one to one or what I don't know but I can't you know to me to make the step on they should be trying to play a little bit more positively and I thought it was really I I, I thought Tyrone were bankers to beat Kerry um, I did too this I weekend them, yeah. just with, with the form they had shown in the Mechanic yeah, Cup yeah. and all that sort of thing I just thought and that a, they had a, a shell of a team Ker- a shell of a Kerry team really yeah. Yeah. when you look down to who, who, who they were missing and like I mean this is the thing about Kerry the word is like that they work like dogs they tackle ferociously so like I mean maybe that's something that was missing from Kerry that absolute streak but that kind of tackling like dogs and at the half forward line especially around the middle third you have to do that against Tyrone you have to match these teams because that's what they bring Mm. but this creates a new problem for Kerry in that if Kerry pick a working half forward line well, there's so many great forwards to get into that forward line like, well, like I mean, if, you, if you look at that Kerry team and I wouldn't be familiar with all their names in the attack but if you were going down away to, to, to play Kerry in an away league match uh, you wouldn't be if, like you wouldn't be thinking the night before Jesus this is these boys have we're seriously under threat here if these boys cut loose on us because all of the majority of their marquee forwards there apart from Ganey were missing yeah, um, and unavailable so I mean I would have thought it was a day when Tyrone should have been, I suppose, backing themselves and backing their own ability and backing their own footballing ability and going a little bit more man-to-man and positive, but um, that's obviously not what they do. Yeah, line, line, Jonathan Line played wing forward and that might, like, he's a wing back, wing back, wing forward, so that'll be a, 
an indication in that they looked of maybe Keane's looking for one lad there that's you know really going to be that link man worker Sean O'Shea we know he has pure class but he has size and maybe he's out there working around I think Stephen no, O'Brien a, he has a good appetite for work as well O'Shea Steve, yeah, well. Stephen O'Brien was picked on the wing he played in the forwards like I mean at some stages it was just Paul Ganey and Stephen O'Brien inside their own, for, their own uh, attacking side according to my source so like I mean maybe this is a new Kerry here and like I mean Ke- Kerry continuously trying to play nice football Dublin played nice football yesterday because Monaghan didn't go majorly defensive but Kerry think they can play nice football against every team yeah. you can't play that kicking game no, and Dub- the- Dublin know that Dublin have two different games that they can easily use any time they want and that's why they're so brilliant Kerry need to have that other game yeah. I need to practice it well the thing about it is Dublin the Dublin players have a great appetite for work no matter what As well, no matter yeah. what the number in their jersey is I mean Mannion was back in his own full back line picking up ball again I mean, the, yeah the Monaghan players do the same thing like uh, all the top teams do have that appetite for work um, and maybe that's just a, a thing that um, I suppose the younger Kerry players coming through from minor they obviously have loads and loads of ability um, but maybe it's just that learning curve when, when they get to senior intercounty that the game doesn't always have a shape to it the game can just get very hectic and you know you're playing against Monaghan you're going to have to go after Ryan Wiley when he takes off up the field or Kieran Duffy or these guys and that's just what you have to do because it needs to be done um, you know in different spells of the game so look at the, the big thing for Kerry is that they all have they have plenty of talent and Keane has obviously seen what he wants to do which is stop them conceding goals and he'll be he'll be absolutely delighted first day out to concede two points from play and no goals yeah. Like he'll be delighted with that win getting that balance between attack and defence we talked about it all last year a lot of teams struggle with it Kerry struggled with it and now maybe they'll start realising that if we're coming up against the Tyrone we have to change if we come up against Galway and Croke Park we have to change it becomes a battle it becomes a middle third war of attrition then if we play Kildare it's a lovely game if we play Dublin yeah. we can hit the, it's a lovely game like I mean I do think that they were tactically inflexible maybe a little bit Tyrone's the same only the other way under the other way around <laughs> <you know? laughs> but like I mean I think these teams are together so often during the week now I know it's difficult, well, it's difficult during the winter say, but during the summer say, yeah because like Fitzmaurice to be fair to him like he did match up against Donegal when they won the All-Ireland you know he did that he did he show did. flexibility but I, I think that look you have to look at it and say the players maybe just weren't it wasn't their natural game the players that he had at his disposal just weren't as comfortable trying to play a game that was a little bit alien to yeah. them because they were maybe older players um, and actually it's funny you say that because in around 2015 Kerry during the league had gone back to a defensive game they, they flirted with it and it didn't they swarmed the middle third I remember in yeah. a few league games and maybe they went, Fitzmaurice went through this as well and came out saying that's not us either so yeah, well, like it the, is only one game and one like win against Tyrone A lot of players coming through from, from the underage ranks now have been used to playing because of the whole evolution of the game in terms of teams playing very defensively and with loads of numbers back these guys are used to playing in games like that from underage level so it's not as much of a change to them as it is for guys who were mid-career yeah having to adapt when all of these things happen so they're maybe a little bit more comfortable in the mayhem of a game like that so look it's just hard to know like Kerry just have so much talent at the minute that I think it's uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how many of those guys can make the progression to be serious inter-county players because it doesn't happen overnight and obviously their manager has an exceptionally good record and it's a, it's a learning curve for him so he'll be more than happy to start off the season I would say giving them that sort of defensive solidity and they won't care if they're not that slick up front until the end of the summer you know that that's really like let's be realistic about it that's what Kerry are looking at they're looking they'll win a Munster and they'll be into the Super 8 and that's really when they like to have they'll want to have their how they play down to a, down to a tee by down so they have a long time to get there yeah they do ok up next we'll do Paddy Power performance of the weekend Come here, I want you to talk us through the goal you scored in the county final after 15 seconds. I want you to tell me when you had goal on your mind. Yeah, you've probably had a few 15 seconds experiences yourself. <laughs> uh, Break me off, show me what you got, cause I don't want no one minute man. Alright, Paddy Power performance of the weekend. So the first one up is Evan O'Carroll from Leash. Um, he got eight points. He was outstanding. 
there was five frees I think a mark and then two others from play so like he's a big physical presence get him was injured last year for a lot of the year and then his father passed away so having him for a full year this year is going to be it's going to be absolutely huge huge plus for Leash if they can because he's so flexible and he can play in the half forward line he can play in the full forward line and it was interesting reading John Sugru's uh, comments after the game so he said he brought on Donny Kingston and Colin Begley at half time Leash were 10-5 down at one stage so I presumed there was, there was obviously a wind and that you don't know from these reports uh, we had to change things up because we weren't getting from down what we expected as to how to set things up so that's part of it you have to be able to adapt the boys to be fair to them adapted really well and that and really well and went at down in the second half so from the information I got from asking one of the players and you can read between the lines there with John Sugro anyways because it was just confirming it is that Paddy Talley didn't set down up they least thought they were going to face Car- the likes of a Carlo or you know Fermanagh and that wasn't the reality so in the second half then they were able to leave more lads in the full forward line because there wasn't the full time sweepers they imagined that there would be and they were able to get more direct ball into them so Donny gets in um, they have at least have a new lad I men- should have mentioned him last Thursday Colin Murphy I played with his older brother he's from Port Harlington and this lad is top top class so Leach could potentially have a full forward line of Colin Murphy Donny Kingston Evan O'Carroll or Evan O'Carroll in the half forward line running on to these two lads because Murphy's a decent sized lad both feet just a really good young talent that Leash now I'm starting to think not just based on this result which is a fantastic result but Leash are looking like a Division 2 team now you know when they have the Catter Healy they've David Seal Paul Catalan from Port Leash they've all these Port Leash lads um, coming back into the mix that are uh, Colin Boyle started at centre half forward yesterday that weren't there last year they're just a much stronger panel and a much better team But and even John Sugru again tactically flexible Leash have two ways of playing when Leash play Carlo they're much different than where Leash play, some, Leash play down for example last night Leash can mix it up now they've learned that from Dublin but at the same time they have two game plans based on who they're playing they thought they were playing one last night it turns out they didn't so Sugru changed it at half time like I'm very very impressed with Sugar. that might seem very logical and simple speaking here lads but how many managers just don't don't really see that in game yeah, Sugar's the man and I'm glad we got the, the leash hour out of the way there what do you think Keen? <laughs> I, I've I've been very impressed with Sugar. I know we were we were commenting a little bit on him last year and his uh, maybe his challenging of Donny Kingston and why he wasn't in the team but look either way they, they've moved beyond that and he's developed um different pattern to play I've seen I've seen Leash on a number of occasions and the ability to be able to change from playing against a sort of very defensive team like Carlo as they did last year and then to be able to come out and show um, a different side of their play when they played against Dublin and more positive and more yeah. kicking in that and it probably does suit uh, the Leash players um, to be able to play that more sort of uh, positive style of play he has uh, he's developing a squad as well because I suppose the to be down in Division 4 some, you know, obviously it's not a good thing but it has given them the ability to develop some players and give them experience and now moving forward they're into their second year they're, they're that bit stronger and they have you know, huge experience to call on with the likes of Bagley and Donny Kings yeah. and these guys who've, who've played all through the division So Well they'd start yeah. and Gareth Dillon out wing back I predicted that he was in the corner last year but he's a much better uh, player he plays wing forward for Port Leach but I thought it was funny on Joe, Joe Brawley and I have sympathy for Joe Brawley you know when you have to throw out a sound, sound bite about a team so Brawley says about uh, Leash. he says Leash are a team that's uh, going places now I saw Kilmaco Croaks were very lucky to beat Leash or I mean Port Leash in the Leinster Club semi-final and Port Leash play a very attacking brand of football almost like Port Leach have been the second best team in Leinster <laughs> for the last 10 years like yeah. uh, Chemical Crokes barely beating Port Leach is not a surprise and how Port Leach play has no bearing on how Leach play it yeah. just so happens that they both play an attack of brand of football but like I mean he's not to know what's, <laughs> what's going on with but it's always funny when they're trying to round up at the end what do you think of Leach there Joe? Uh, they're going well Port like, Leach <laughs> the last thing I can remember about Leach is Port Leach yeah. but down actually I saw a, a stat from Niall Mackay um, down starting team last night had eight, 86 league appearances between them that average is less than 6 per player so this is a completely new down team so Paddy Talley called for patience ahead of the league and he's dead right that's what Niall McCoy tweeted and that's absolutely so Leisha's win against them has to be put into the context of this down but still I suppose to go away and beat them is Listen, just a great result yeah, regardless the way to down is always, is always a tricky game but I mean you, that's the, the point we make is just the, the difference in experience between the two teams Leash were able to call on that and and bring themselves from, from a losing position into a winning position um, I don't think Down will be overly disappointed um, 
both teams will be obviously hoping to get back up to Division 2 but it's a, it's a very important two points for Leash to start you know and keep that sort of momentum going from, Huge win from away from home four, yeah. Huge win now just beat loud in the Croke Park game next week Ryan O'Rourke from Leitrim lad scored 2-7 so Ryan's only 21 um, I think he's on his third year he was playing last year as well so he's captain for his club their intermediate champions is Fenna um, so supposed to be captain of your club at intermediate level at 21 years of age just shows what kind of a character we're talking about our own Paddy McKenna a proud Leitrim man in the office here said he's the best Leitrim forward since Pora Kenny do you remember Pora Kenny? No. Uh, 94 I only remember Seamus Quinn and Declan Darcy so that, that's me gone from yeah, Leitrim 94 I yeah I'm the same so it says he was central to Leitrim's victory this is from a match report so he like it's alright saying 3.15 he scored 2.7 but he scored six of that two seven in the first half where Wexford were way on top so that, you know they scored I think it was seven six we were saying at half time so he got all of Leitrim's scores in the first half that shows serious bottle I'm sure there was a win there as well two seven in all Ryan O'Rourke Leitrim rising keep your eye out for him well, like it's, it's some it's some shooting from him but they also got three was it three nine they got in the second half alone and then you take into account that it looks like Keith Byrne who was their top scorer oh, last year Leitrim got yeah yeah and it looks like he's not going to be involved this year like Keith Byrne like he's gone but then Ryan O'Rourke just steps up and already looks better yeah like and we tipped him to get up and it looks like they're going up yeah Emron Mulligan as well so that's a huge win because Wexford we were saying we- yesterday that Derry are going up and then it's between Leitrim and Wexford you imagine although you know it's so it's a huge win for Leitrim basically David Tuberty lads he is an old man um, relatively <laughs> relatively young man but old man in, in GA context he was outstanding apparently according to the match report yesterday uh, Gary Brennan in midfield as usual got three from play Jason McGee got three points from play from midfield um, for Donegal so they could really do with him becoming, mm. a, mid- becoming a good dominant midfielder because we know he burst onto the scene two years ago against Tyrone in was it against Tyrone he got it was in a was in a big game anyways I can't remember maybe he's in the Ulster Championship I was in a league game against bloody Kerry yeah. away remember we were talking about him uh, I think it was your first show Jesus is all coming back to me now <laughs> <laughs> but he was great and then he went off the scene he even dropped off the panel completely but he showed I think it was against bloody Dublin ok we've got to narrow it down I think it was against Dublin in the league he was outstanding <laughs> and thinking he's a really big player but they need a good dominant midfielder they need it and especially with Rochford that'll give Murphy more time to get out of that midfield Hugh McFadden solid um, so Jason McGee so that's a big that's a big thing but again I read so many match reports of this of this match and there was no insight into how Rochford has them setting up or any of this imprint because I was I read you see a lot of them buy the same one off the same fella so I read the GA website and they had it from a fella called Derek Lynch and then I read the 42 and it was the same Derek Lynch and it was just a uh, a, a blow by blow in the second minute such and such happened yeah. and I'm just thinking like the Donegal Twitter account will give you that if you want just give us an idea of how maybe those two teams set up or maybe the casual fan does not want that information but I was desperate for it because I really want to see Donegal that's why I want RTE to do, go to it next week to see Rochford is nobody interested in what Rochford's doing with Donegal yeah, how they're setting up yeah. and what way the wind's blowing and everything but like do you know I remember there's one game that I didn't cover but it was supposed to cover when I was working back in Derry but um, I had a game a club game at the same time so I went to that obviously but um, I just got a, the Derry Twitter account and the Tyrone Twitter account and just was able to do a match report from that if, that, if that's what you're doing like point by point yeah. you can do it because somebody else is like you know I'm not I'm not saying that future journals should do that but <laughs> but you know but like if you are doing a blow by blow minute by minute like it's there for you but if you're there you're in a privileged position that you can tell people yeah. something that they can't see I think so I think maybe the style of match reports needs to change right Stephen O'Hanlon I see Keen looking at his watch here Stephen O'Hanlon and we have to think of our man in South America as well Stephen <laughs> O'Hanlon right he was outstanding yesterday we'll all agree on that has a great bit of fire in his belly a great bit of cutting in him uh, caught that ball over his head and could easily have gone for a mark but he's a left footer and maybe he was thinking mid-air right I better not call a mark here because I'm on my wrong side but he just continued on got a lovely angle for himself and stuck it away he has left a promising basketball career behind him according to Kevin O'Brien um, journalist he said he's an ex-Ireland under 21 player to link up with Monaghan and we saw him in the build up to Carey's goal like a nice bit of awareness to pass that off basketball players don't get frust- don't get kind of shocked when they're given a ball right in front of goals they know mm. to lay it off or score we know that from Donaghy Aidan O'Shea these lads lovely hands um, so like I mean his first two touches he got a goal and assist but it was just his general play and with Jack McCarran with this offensive mark put Jack out in the half forward line 
because he's he flatters to deceive in the full forward line anyways especially in the big games in the championship let him float a few off the outside of his boot for McManus and for um, Stephen O'Hanlon and again there you go Monaghan there's your that's your trio but the mark isn't in for the championship <laughs> <laughs> yeah Stevie is, Stevie O'Hanlon's actually the son of Eugene O'Hanlon as well played in the, the great Eugene yeah the great 1985 Ulster winning Monaghan team who played Kerry in the semi-final but um so he's got a bit of breeding in him too jeez he's breeding he's cutting <laughs> <laughs> what was the Keane says earlier on he's pawing at him and then he saw what did you say Howard was doing Swanning around. Swanning around. Swanning around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have a few right ones coming out here. So we'll give you a shout on Mead. Sean O'Shea is the other one I have down here, but we talked about Kerry. Mickey Newman and Killian O'Sullivan. Mickey Newman's back. He only got one from play, but according to the match reports I read, was very good. You were at this match. Killian O'Sullivan came on at halftime, and once again, he has that cutting in him and that bit of fire in his belly that, especially at this time of the year, just kind of really makes you stand out. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he came on at halftime and added a bit of sort of... Had a bit of drive to the to the half forward line uh, in terms of taking defenders on and and driving into the gap and that sort of stuff. Won a couple of frees. Mickey Newman got a lovely point from play in the first half. Club made a mind. Thomas O'Reilly was in the other corner. Got two from play. So, you know those those three guys. Mead would be looking to to have a reasonable league campaign. They they need those guys playing well. Killian sort of only came on for the second half. I think he'd been carrying an injury, so he definitely made a difference to to Mead and. Look, it wasn't a great game of football. Tipperary were missing a number of players, and it was it was a crucial win for Mead. And they got a couple of guys back into back into action. Graham Riley came on for the last um, maybe ten or fifteen minutes, kicked a point. So um, Mead will be delighted. It was a massive, massive game for Mead. They really, really badly needed to get the two points on the board in a home game against the depleted Tipperary team, and they did enough. They made hard work of it, did, did they? Yeah, look, they did make hard work of it. They they look. They, they carry the ball an awful lot they, that, that's kind of the style of play it's the, the players that are on the field um, I would obviously much prefer to see them lifting their head a bit earlier in the attack and, and moving the ball by the foot uh, from the middle third of the field but um, look at two points on the board can't really ask for much more than that at this stage of the season um, you're not you're, you, wouldn't they're, be, they're, you wouldn't be enthusiastic about like me they're not going to go up not with Donegal and Kildare in it they're I, not I, the, the I, idea I'm, that they're going up is I, just I'm, re- I'm retaining hope just because <laughs> they have uh, a number of games at home they're away games with the exception I mean they're away to Cork and I think they're away to Clare or Kildare so they don't have Donegal is the difficult away match which I wouldn't expect them to get much from Um but they've four games at home and they'd certainly be looking to win all of them. One, the, the, the Armagh game, Armagh and Kildare games are kind of the big ones for me. They, they need to do their job and, and beat Clare and Fermanagh and Cork who they should, you know, they've beaten all of those teams in recent seasons so they should be able to beat them again particularly when they've two of them in home, home matches. So, um, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be writing Mead off in terms of promotion just yet but they would certainly would have to improve from their opening performance yeah okay exactly and we didn't get a chance to talk about our Mackel there that was meant to be a brilliant game as we predicted it would be and Jimmy Highland got a late point so we all keep our eye out for him I was looking through the Kildare team and did a lot of new faces on it it wasn't a strong Kildare team based off the championship team last year and I was reading somewhere on Twitter that seven of their subs had never played in the league. Yeah, but like, like it's, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable for Kildare because they had to arrest the slide of... I know they had, you know, reasonably decent championship campaign, but their league form has was, you know, dreadful. So they needed to be able to just stop the slide of, of losing matches and to be able to pull a draw out of it against Armagh when they were in a losing position with a very inexperienced team, I'm sure... Keane O'Neill was delighted with that but they will obviously need to improve and they will Armagh and Kildare are probably the two teams that you would have as favourites along with Donegal to, to go up really Yeah, Jared LeBurn's son was full forward picked full forward for Armagh and I was listening to Kieran McGeaney on picked Radio 1 picked full forward and played cornerback probably <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to Kieran McGeaney being interviewed on, on Radio 1 and the reporter says to McGeaney and we had the son of Armagh legend Jared LeBurn's son um, in a full forward well, it wouldn't be going saying Jarlett Burns is any sort of a legend now or anything, Geezer says, but his son could potentially be a legend. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I thought it was a classic. I don't, you wouldn't know McGeaney whether he's being serious or whether he's yeah, actually, whether he's messing, actually yeah. trying to lynch Jarlett. Yeah. But uh, we keep our eye out for Jarlett's It's great Sunday. to be back, isn't it? That's great to be back, lads. <laughs> Listen, we've gone over time as per usual. We'll leave it there and we'll be back on Thursday um, where Matty Ford is going to be making his debut. Talk to you then. Good luck. Yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and uh, 
and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas will get such a shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their houses for 10 years. The GAA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com.